It's deepest, darkest December. It's the height of flu season. If you're elderly or infirm, I hope you've got your flu jab. But if you're in good health, maybe think twice because you might well be ruining our first, last and only line of defence against the worst scum of the universe. This is Geek Bites and we're talking War of the Worlds. I'm joined, I'm Rich and I'm joined once again by Stu. Stu, have you had your flu jab? Uh, no. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm a foot soldier in the war against Mars, I think. Uh, I'll take one for the team. Uh, like Same I'll here. Hit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I suppose I should, but then there's lots of different types of flu. So you have, might have a jab for one and catch the other one. So what's the point, really? It just seems a bit silly. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. And anyway, and then we wouldn't be able to fight off the aliens, so... <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, or to be fair, they were suffering from typhoid, which I think is a bit more extreme. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, spoilers. Uh, cool. I oh, know. I like the intro, man. It's very, uh, very um, poignant and uh, atmospheric. Cheers, man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, three-part miniseries from the BBC, War of the Worlds, based obviously on H.G. Wells's seminal uh, masterpiece, arguably the first alien invasion story. Um, Let's see how we go. Uh, did you have a one-sentence review for us? Yeah, uh, so it's a refreshing take on a sci-fi classic that successfully injected modern sensibilities into a period piece without coming across as preachy. Right, okay, yeah. <laughs> Richard obviously disagrees, but I suppose we'll come across come, come to that. <laughs> uh, no, I do agree. Um, it's a, it's a good, um, good summary. Uh, my one-sentence review was... Peaks and troughs, good bit of action, uh, interspersed with some very long uh, scenes where not a lot seemed to happen, uh, and a bit uneven in terms of character development, but overall enjoyable. Wow, that really was a review. That was like an Empire, like a little summary bit of the Empire <laughs> reviews. Um, I was hoping to get this balance right between these, uh, on these one sentence reviews, but we'll we'll keep at it. I'm sure I'll get the hang of it. <laughs> my, my one's more of a sort of uh, mission statement review. This is kind of like you know <laughs> everything is encompassed, uh, and you've kind of gone for a plot type, what, a structured thing. But yeah, I, I get where you're coming from there. But I think the way I looked at it, it was like Downton Abbey that happened to have some aliens in it. So it wasn't going to be like Independence Day with like gung-ho fighting and stuff. There was always going to be some slow bits and some fast bits. And I suppose, you know, uh, anyone that got within five yards of an alien is bound to get killed in this, really. So it's kind of, there's not going to be action all the way through. So I think it worked quite well that there was a bit of pacing and a bit of drama. And also, it's, you know, the BBC special effects budget is all wasted on Doctor Who. Um, so there's only so much they can do with this. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because, um, yeah, I think just, I mean, we'll go into our overall thoughts now. And that's a good point about special effects. I think they certainly felt a bit um, red dwarf almost to me. Uh, they, <laughs> they didn't, uh, it certainly wasn't a flagship show for the BBC. Like, like um, Doctor Who is, obviously. Um, yeah, I think some of the special effects we were, looked a bit ropey. Uh, and other bits look good. But Have you had ex- any examples of the bits that you found ropey? Uh, I mean, this will dive straight into some of my problems with the TV show overall, but I just think the aliens were a bit unimaginative almost. Um, they just kind of looked like a black mess on screen. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, when as whenever I think the tripods looked good, I think they were a bit too shiny and a bit less steampunk. I would have liked them to be a bit more steampunk, so more in fitting with uh, the show. 
uh, like yeah. the book perhaps but yeah once the aliens come out they were just kind of a bit of generic never never it's a, oh it's a spider-like thing that happens to have three legs because the tripod have three legs and it's kind of just flesh with no real discernible eyes or anything and that weird yeah, it's just a black mess wasn't it yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, some sort of tooth popped out every now and then wasn't it what sort of screen did you watch it on because when i saw it it wasn't black it was more of a sort of uh, fleshy color um okay good point yeah i um i watched it on my galaxy s9 uh, so mobile so yeah maybe i wasn't watching it as the makers intended yeah i watched it on my tablet this way uh, you know on the way into work one day um so it's yeah but it was just a bit of a mess like you said it wasn't uh very particularly imaginative alien um but then maybe uh wales didn't give them much to go on in the book i'm not quite sure yeah, well, I mean, it's an interesting um, point about the steampunk thing, because I think in a way, if they'd been more steampunk, that might could have been even sillier or could have been better. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think this was kind of because in my uh, intro, I was going to say this is the steampunk I've been waiting for. But then I thought about it. It's, like, it's not really steampunk, is it? It is literally like Downton Abbey with aliens or Pride and Prejudice yeah. with aliens, whatever. It's, it's just like and it's not even a really surrealist take on it. It's quite like authentic you know, what would happen if an alien crash landed in Edwardian England type thing? Um, so, yeah, but like you say, if they'd have twisted it, it might have been a bit too fantastical, which is the problem of some of the other, like Doctor Who or this um, dark material thing that's on at the moment. It's kind of like, you know, you're crossing a line there. Um, so I think this this was kind of good in the fact that they played it straight. Uh, I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, it was. No cheesiness. Um, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen any of the illustrations from the book, which are basically squids wandering around in giant diving bells. Um, oh, right. <laughs> that, that, is, that would have been a bit silly. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they've made yeah. it a bit more grounded. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, speaking of squids and diving bells and steampunk, uh, just imagine if the BBC, kind of off the back of this, went off and decided to make a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen show, like the graphic novel. Um, yeah, that would, that would be pretty awesome. You know, it would be great to see more turn of the century stuff happening, you know, because they're doing Dracula at the moment, aren't they? That's going to be on over Christmas. So maybe this yeah. is going to be the new Vogue is going back to all this sort of Victoriana, Edwardiana uh, stuff. Um, well, so that, especially because is that because some of this is running out of uh, copyright now and stuff probably. So we're going to see all of this, all of this coming back. I think I'd love well, it if we did get League of Gentlemen. But. That would be an awesome thing, you know, because the film was terrible. So yeah, yeah. you know, I think even the BBC can do a bit more justice to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that would be quite cool. I mean, my overall thoughts was like I couldn't have asked for a better interpretation of the book, um, and that's saying something because I really like the book, and I think you know I liked some of the other interpretation. Well. I think I watched the 50s one when I was a kid, so I can't remember much about it. Uh, the Tom Cruise wasn't wasn't very good. Uh, and Independence Day was just, well, it was great, but it wasn't really f- particularly faithful, was it? Um, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, how good the series it was, like I say, there were a lot of peaks and troughs and some great moments and then some not some so great moments and almost just some bad writing and bad character development as well or almost non-existent character development for some characters uh, who, um, who specifically did you find wasn't particularly well developed uh, well to be honest there was uh, not maybe this was a design choice there was, <laughs> All of there was the three, yeah the three main characters it was uh rafe spool um robert carlisle and um uh amy uh was her character's name so yeah. i can only Eleanor Thompson or something? Yeah. Um, and then I can't... Oh, Ogilvy was Robert Carlyle, wasn't he? And then yeah. the other one, Roger? 
George. George, there you go. Another yeah. Edwardian name. Don't hit don't see many Georges anymore. <laughs> anyway, I think yeah, apart from them we didn't really see any character development. Oh, and to be honest, Ogilvy didn't get much either. Um yeah. you know, there was that little girl that they met met halfway through. She she didn't even get a name. They didn't even give her any lines. I she think was just she, fodder. Yeah. Yeah. You, they might say, "Oh, we're showing how traumatized he is." Nah, you just couldn't be bothered to think up any lines for her. She was just a, a MacGuffin that they lost halfway through, and the old lady as well. She was just a MacGuffin. She didn't get a name. She just tagged along. We didn't even see them agreeing to take her along. She just tagged along and <laughs> then died. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. I suppose when you look at it that way, I mean, the, I think one character that did have a bit of an arc, well, apart from Amy, obviously, who's the hero, was Frederick. Who was my favourite character, which was yeah. the minister, because you know he went from like you know, oh you've ruined my brother's life, you know you were living in sin, blah blah blah, and you know to all oh, right, I'm going to depend on you because you're, you're the only other able person here, and he's gone from like you know the, the Britain will win, you know the, the uh, army will sort it out to oh my god, and then all right, let's just throw some petrol bombs at it and hope for the best. Um, <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, I did like Frederick. He was great. I think that the actor is Lestrade in the Sherlock series, and he's always like a foil to um, Benedict Cumberbatch. But you know, so it's nice to see him being an actual, you know, quite a badass person in this. And he was kind of, you know, he had those sort of stout Edwardian imperial values sort of thing. And it's quite, you don't really see that often in the in the show. Uh, so it's kind of, you know, it's cool to see things from his perspective of like, you know, it's all right, you know, the Empire will be fine, we'll shoot them and, you know, blow them up and whatever. Um, and then he realised, oh, actually, no, let's flee to Scotland. Then he realised that was a bad idea. So, you know, it's kind of nice to see him strategising. So you could tell he was my favourite character of the show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you've, t- you've touched there on the Edward- Edwardian, um, Edwardian setting. Um, I think it did allow them to do a lot of interesting stuff uh, with the show, didn't they? Obviously, and obviously it was based on, that's when the book was originally written. So it's good to see that nod to originality um, in it, that nod to staying true to the original uh, prose. And yeah, I think what we very rarely see this these days, a, a sci-fi trope, alien invasion taking place in a historical period. Um, most alien films are set in the time that they're written slash made, as this book originally was, of course. Um, but yeah, it just gives a interesting spin on things. And it makes it also shows up that thing about to, to any any unscientific uh, uh, civilization, anything more scientific appears as magic. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, they were just amazed at everything that could that these aliens were doing. Despite if those same uh, technology were to come down in the 21st century, we'd argue we have a bit more of an idea of what was going on. They were talking about heat rays and everything. Um, so yeah, which aren't really a thing anymore. But yeah, that was an interesting spin on it from the Edwardian period. Yeah, I mean, and like you say, there was a bit, I mean, we'll touch on it later, but there's a, there's a bit where they could sort of mention about the whole perspective on uh, the others. Uh, we'll touch on that in a bit. Uh, but in terms of the Edwardian setting, I, I really loved it. I thought seeing Britain at the height of its power and trying to comprehend with this sort of unnatural force that they're trying to deal with, the sort of jingoistic way they initially start off and like, oh, yeah, the gunboats and muskets will sort them out. We'll send in the artillery. Rah, rah. Uh, and then slowly the way the society sort of crumbled, uh, you know, when they sort of showed a wider context, you saw George's failed marriage and the fact he was living in sin with Amy and everyone was sort of shunning them as pariahs. That was quite interesting because you wouldn't get that these days sort of thing. Um, and also 
the bit where George bumps into the army and the army says, like, you know, if you leave Sarah, I will shoot you as a deserter. Again, you wouldn't see that anymore. So it's kind of like, you know, the fact that they, you know, were true to the book and it was shown in a historical setting was a nice piece of alternative history. Uh, and sort of seeing how these guys would deal with it was quite exciting, really. And it's kind of, you know, uh, yeah, that's why I thought it was kind of a really good interpretation, because it's just seeing how the British Empire would deal with an alien invasion. I mean, I suppose it would have been nice to hear a bit more about what happened in the wider world. But I think that one of the first things the aliens did was cut off the telegraph cables. Um, so they mentioned like they can't hear from, you know, the, the telegraph anymore. Uh, so it just goes to show they were aware of, you know, how to cripple the nation. I mean, it was, you know, quite easy, really. Um, just cut these transatlantic cables. Um, yeah, they are. Yeah, that, and it, in a way, it doesn't quite fit with the fact that the aliens were so just monstrous, uh, just looked like giant spiders, essentially. Um, yeah, they were like a budget alien that happens to be in an episode of Doctor Who that they sort of, you know, run away yeah. from. It wasn't anything particularly exciting. Um, but it, it, um, there was a bit, sorry, with the... Um, uh, what was it? The the minister, yeah, the minister saying, you know, no, no one's going to stop him, stop the Englishman. We're the best things on earth. Yeah. That was good. And when they were like, do you think it's the Russians? Did the Russians do this? Or and George was yeah. like, maybe the Russians sent it in the cannon or whatever. And they were like, stop, don't be silly, George. Um, going back to the whole general impression, George was a bit of a sap, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, he was just a journalist. He wasn't a real military man. Um, but yeah, it was it was some great speeches. You heard some great uh, some great oratory, and you wonder you wonder. It sounds almost ridiculous to our ears now in this uh, less less imperialistic age. But you wonder you, that is probably the way they thought back then. Um, and yeah, you know, England, uh, Britain was on top of the world. Absolutely, that was that was the height of the height of uh, the empire. Yeah, that stage, obviously. Um, I think there were some lines where they said, "Oh, every every person in the world wishes they were British or that wishes it, they were yeah. English." I think <laughs> it's like it's not very PC, but it's kind of. But it, that was they were unashamedly going for the era. It was set sort of thing, and I think that that was played out later on when there was a bit of a, a, a scene between George and Frederick. Um, I suppose yeah. One last thing about the setting, like you said about language, it was it's funny listening to talking to each other about what's going on in the language of back in the day. So yeah. stuff like you know, oh, they, you know, let the ladies go first, or they, you know, give them, you know, just weird, like women and children first on the boats on the beach, sort of thing. Oh, women and children first, and oh, yeah. oh it's just, it's just so weird. But you know, exciting. Don't let that man from boarding. Don't let that man board. That's it. Yeah, it's like I'm not boarding. I'm going to see my wife. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then they all boil to death, wasn't they? Um, but yeah, I mean that leads leads nicely into my my favourite scene. Shall I go into that? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Uh, so my favourite scene was the beach. Um, so uh, basically at the beginning of the show, George and uh, Amy get separated in Weybridge or wherever it was in Surrey. Uh, so she rides off to London and meets his brother Frederick. George gets uh, sort of goes on a little journey where he bumps into some army people and they drag him around, blah, 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 blah. Eventually, after escaping, Amy escaping London and George just bumbling around, really, uh, they reunite at the beach. And uh, when they're there, you see sort of thousands of people trying to escape onto some naval ships. Uh, which are laying down covering fire, and then you see a tripod emerge over the over the uh, the hill just after George and Mosafesa reunited, and and yeah. the, the navy blow it out the sky, and it was just like yes, finally the power is striking back, you know, and it just showed you know th there was uh, optimism there. It's like yes, finally we're we're succeeding, we can do something. Okay, fair enough. You can only beat them if they're by the sea, um, but it's a start. Yeah. And how many attempts did it take to stop it? 
Um, but yeah, so I suppose that scene was good in a few ways. There was the sort of the reuni- reunion between George and Amy, but still he was a bit of a sap. I mean, he, he sort of dripped all the way through. But also the sort of seeing the thing get blown up and then seeing the way that sort of Frederick reacted to it all. You know, she was like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm a minister. I've got to get up north. And then like, uh, no, there is no up north anymore. This is happening everywhere, sir. And she's like, okay, you know, get her to the boats. I'm going to go off to Surrey or where, no, Kent or Essex or wherever he was going to go. Um, but yeah, just they, they, were, they were sailing to Dunkirk, so it was like a reverse Dunkirk, wasn't they? Even though he said, "Well, how do we know it's not happening in France as well?" Yeah, and he's just like, "We we got no choice, sir. This is the only option we've got." So it's like bloody yeah. hell. But I wonder yeah. what happened to those ships, because you know, I think uh, I suppose we, we've not mentioned the flash forwards yet, but there's various flash forwards in this show. But you never hear what happened afterwards, like whether those people survived or the rest of the world. You know, what happened? Who knows? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, what's your what's your favourite scene? I mean, well, hey, what did you think of that scene, Rich? And then what was your favourite? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll answer both questions in one. Oh, yeah. uh, because uh, that was also my favourite scene. It was just such an epic, well put together um, element. And yeah, I think I think I enjoyed it. You know, it was good. The action bits, you know, the the big guns of the battleships finally showing that those things weren't just some indestructible unobtainium. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, that was useful. Good to ground it in a bit more reality you know nothing can stand up to a massive shell from a huge battleship it's just that they're quite hard to bring to bear in the middle of in the middle of land obviously um but that was good but i think for from my perspective i just enjoyed the more human aspects of it just kind of showing it like a reverse dunkirk you know all the civilians getting pulled over evacu- evacuation of britain you know regardless of whether uh, france was actually in any much of a better state um and i think there was also that element where frederick was arguing with amy, amy to send her send her off and she was saying no no i must wait for george no. oh and he was like no you have to go and he'd obviously like come round to the fact that she was carrying his bastard nephew yeah. uh, bastard in its dictionary definition exactly um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and um yeah and you know when george did show up and she jumped back into come back to him and then her boat got blown up i was thinking oh please don't let these two now be mean to frederick moaning at him and you know to their credit they didn't they didn't um go in on him saying oh why did you tell her to leave whatever um so that was that was good i I was rooting for frederick at that point as well and of course for george and amy it was great to see them actually be reunited and i think at that point in the flash forward they uh i'll touch on this briefly they would she was talking about the fact she'd not seen him for ages yeah Um, wondering if they were actually going to just miss each other on this beach scene so that added an extra frisson of um of peril if you like uh, i honestly thought they were just going to miss each other and she was going to go off on the ship so that was that's just a really well well plotted well written scene that, that whole part of it uh, definitely the higher point of the series for me um and then like you say we did see one one tripod go down then you see another one come straight over the hill at them They're obviously zooming in on the uh uh, focusing in on where the most resistance is, uh, like intelligent aliens would. Yeah, but it, that one got taken down as well, though, didn't it? Yeah, I think so. And I think was that was it after that scene where you see them cut away and they say, "Oh, we just, there can't be more than two of them," and then it just shows three of them stampeding over London or. <laughs> yeah, it's just like uh, yeah, because that was it. They only knew about the two that crash landed before all communications went down, didn't it? And they didn't realise yeah. that they were all over the world. Um, but yeah, I like what you're saying, and them not not giving Frederick grief. I think, but the fact that 
you know, it was such an action-packed scene and the fact that she'd barely survived this boat getting blown up, which wouldn't yeah. have been his fault because he was doing the best. I think by the time they all got back to land, they were just happy to be alive together. It didn't matter about the past. You know, it didn't matter about the, um, you know, their family disagreements, all that stuff. I mean, yeah. talking about their, you know, out-of-wedlock stuff, you know, when he met the wife really early on, his, his wife that wouldn't let him have a yeah. divorce, I thought she was going to have a bigger part to play. I thought it would be quite interesting to see, like, you know, do they try and rescue her too? Is it going to be like one of these weird uh, extended family things or, you know, yeah. uh, and then because she's like, what was it? You're worthless or, you know, you'll only get to marry her over my dead body and you're just waiting for that to pay off. I mean, it, did. yeah. <laughs> it didn't, but still, it was kind of uh, interesting to speculate. Um, yeah. Yeah, we just never know what happened to her at all. It was almost, yeah, I mean, that was almost just thrown in, wasn't it? it was it really relevant to the plot? I don't know. I suppose. Maybe just, maybe just uh, showing that was maybe just to show, give Frederick's motivation a little bit more backstory, that, possibly. That's it. And I think anyone that's not familiar with Edwardian customs would probably need a bit of more explicit explanation of why them two are a bit pariahs, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know by by doing that and also showing that she was rich and stuff like that which didn't help her in the end I suppose unless yeah. she's still sitting in that house being miserable about George um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah I, yeah, I think that like you say that was a high point and that was the end of the first episode wasn't it or no maybe the end of episode two I think I think it was somewhere around the yeah I think it was middle of episode two yeah episode oh, that's, two yeah yeah then they go to the haunted house at the end um, yeah, I can't quite remember. I can't, re- can't quite remember the episode breaks. I watched it in a very hodgepodge fashion, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched two, two ones on the telly and one on a tablet. So, but yeah, I, th- I think I watched the best ones on the telly—the one with the battleships and stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I suppose my honourable mention in terms of scenes, because uh, I always have one, is uh, the bit when they discover the ship—the first ship—and uh, it, it breaks free and starts disintegrating people at random. And yeah. just everyone's fleeing from it. And I was just sitting there thinking, you know, you know, you've heard of heat rays before, and you see it in Doctor Who and all this rubbish. But the fact that there was no no obvious sign that this heat ray was going towards a particular person, one or the other, and you're just fleeing from them rives, not knowing how to evade it. And I was thinking, with him and her, uh, George and Amy being in that area at the same time, what's to say that one of them or one or both of them are going to escape? And I think that was kind of good sort of tension because I mean obviously they were because they were the heroes but it's just like you know if you were living that how the hell would you feel it's like oh my god there's nothing I can do I might in any minute disintegrate you know what sheer terror must you be feeling when you're running away from that thing um and then yeah the poor sod later on has to try and articulate that to people and he's not very articulate at the best of times so how is a journalist I don't know um but yeah and, and no one no one will believe him they're like oh no it's a it was a thunderstorm or it was such and such you know oh it was fine um yeah, yeah. I, I just thought that was amazing. You know, amazing, but like it was just, just you know, I'd be terrified. I mean, how the hell would you escape from that? I think that's more terrifying than the tripod, the tripods walking around. I think because like, you know, being indiscriminately evaporated, not even knowing that you've evaporated, it's just weird. Uh, with the tripods, they did figure out quite quickly how to hide from them and use grandma as bait. Uh, yeah. was... <laughs> just just hide under the kitchen table, you'd be fine. It's like a, yeah. you know, World War Two or something. Um, that, that floating sphere thing, it was almost quite like a 50s or 60s sci-fi vibe. I mean, you wouldn't see that sort of thing in a in a modern day sci-fi film, I don't think. So in a way, maybe that was almost a nod to the kind of retro style of this whole uh, story, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't because I, you know, I read the book ages ago, so I don't remember if that was actually how it was described in the book. But yeah, you can imagine that was kind of a trope at the time, like 
you know, whereas nowadays it would just be big ships with little bits bristling on them to show the visual effects budget and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, and it was quite interesting seeing it crack and everyone looking inside and the sort of uh, when they were looking in the reflection and the reflections were frozen, that was quite a nice touch as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, what's it going to So, uh, so like in terms of uh, maybe we're ready to move on to least favourite scenes. Um, oh yeah, do you want do you want to hit me with this? So I think I touched on it earlier, but it was that scene where we actually saw the alien reveal. I was, I was just really disappointed with it, not only because of how it just suddenly turned a little bit silly, a little bit uh, CGI light, um, but also just the way it killed off just two characters just without who hadn't really had any development maybe i was hoping for too much from a mini series um, but also the whole idea that the aliens actually are there this this technologically advanced race is still eating other races when they come across them just seemed <laughs> bizarre to me um yeah. and walking around you know, naked yeah that as well yeah um i mean maybe they're post clothes which is a possibility but yeah. i would have thought if they're going to be post clothes they're probably post post uh, eating meat and certainly eating intelligent life as well <laughs> and they clearly know that um there is intelligence on earth i think that whole bit just kind of threw threw it all out and just made me think it was a bit it didn't quite fit with the rest of it and didn't quite fit with the whole theme of alien invasion maybe i've got too many preconceptions of what an alien invasion should be but this is more kind of like a a um horror monster movie rather than an alien invasion movie to me <laughs> But yeah, because I think in the book, I mean, spoilers for anyone that's not read a book that's about 200 years old or whatever, um, there's, a, well, 100 and something, but there's a bit where, you know, at the end, they die because they capture cold, basically, because they're not mm. caught our germs. And I don't see why they couldn't have just done that in this, because they were basically said the old lady had typhoid because she drank some dodgy water or something, and then the alien ate her, and that's how he got infected. Um and that's the only way, other way that they could uh, get infected by eating George. The other one ate George, he got infected. And they must have all eaten some dodgy humans or something and got up deli belly or something. Yeah. It's just, you know. That was the whole getting typhoid from the water, that was where the old lady offered him some water at one point, wasn't it? Yeah, I, um, I don't remember. I, yeah, I, I sort of vaguely remembered that. But it, yeah. but it, it was just like, you know, there was no need to turn them into weird. Uh, sort of man-eating beasts it was kind of like you know they could still be an oppressive scary force without eating things or having like alien type things that inject you know at one point i thought they were going to inject them with something and it was to spawn something rather than it eating them uh, yeah, it was only exactly. after they ate the old lady and it made a meal that you're like all oh, right that's what they're going with and i think that was the only bit that they just you know a deviation from the book that i think was a bit unnecessary yeah you know? It's just like, well, if that's the case, just bloody, I don't know, send them to homeless or something. Like it's, yeah, it's, it was just like, yeah, just a bit weird and unnecessary. So I, I totally agree with you. And it was kind of, you know, the whole series had built up to that last episode where they're running around the big orphanage or whatever it was. And they're being skulked by a naked spider thing that yeah. eats them. And it's just like, well, this is a bit camp. It's kind of. And this naked spider thing has apparently discovered uh, interplanetary travel. Um. <laughs> yeah and it's what it's going for snatch snacks or something it's yeah, kind of, exactly you know whereas before you know you've got the terraforming stuff going on and you know you could think well there may be an expeditionary force to start the terraforming and if they're starting the terraforming they might be smart enough not to know to know not to eat the locals especially those that have died of, or on the way to dying of their own causes yeah. Um, I mean, so, yeah. any, any film more show where humans land on another planet you don't see them just randomly eating the local fauna 
<laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it was just bizarre. We know that. Why do why do some advanced Martians not know that? Yeah. You know, don't eat things off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> don't eat humans. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, they could have just had it get a cold or something. It could still been an oppressive stalking presence, you know, killing them other ways without having to suck their life force out. Uh, but I suppose that was the only way that George could sacrifice himself, isn't it? Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I mean, I like, I mean, I like these sacrificing scene because it was the only useful thing you did. Uh, and I was just thinking, well, how would I act if it was my um, my partner in that situation? I think, yeah, I'll try and do that as well, especially if I'm going delirious. I probably wouldn't know any different. Um, but yeah, going back to my worst scene and George's delirium. Uh, so, you know, there's a bit where um, Frederick is just like, it's fine. There's only one of them. We're going to lock the doors. We're going to keep them out. We've got to defend ourselves because we're British. God damn it. You know, stuff like that. And it's, you know, we're going to make petrol bombs out of oil lamp. Come on, Sarah, pour the oil in there. And then George is like, oh no, we've wrought this upon ourselves. This is what happens to everyone. And like, yeah, I think that was I, a bit forced in, wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah. I, I think the message was good, but the delivery was a bit forced. It was a bit, a bit like, yeah, hold on. You, you know, you've said your piece, but you're still at it three minutes later, and you're kind of like, yeah. how much do you need to voice this down our throats, sort of thing? And you know, I, I just think it was a, like you say, that whole episode is a bit weak compared to the others, and that scene particularly was like, yeah, you're just putting a social message in here. Uh, and a commentary bit in there, which, you know, if he's delirious, is he really going to have time to think about? Or maybe he would say it, but he'd still think about survival for him, his wife and his unborn child, which he didn't know about, but still. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, putting put in 21st century sensibilities into an early 20th century period piece is always going to sound out of place. Although, you know, it was the BBC. They tried to force it anyway. Yeah, so. I mean, but maybe George would be the sort of person that does think like that, because there were, probably were some people at the time that were, you know, a bit more liberal. Um, and I think that's where Frederick's response was, was like, it's all right for you in your lounges making these comments, but some of us have to make tough decisions. And it's just like, well, there yeah. you go, fella. That's basically how the empire was run uh, and how, you know, George had the life of luxury he had in a safe whatever country because other people were going off and, you know, doing somewhat atrocious, you know, atrocious things on their behalf. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, yeah, you can be like that. But should you be in like that when your wife's about to be eaten by an alien or should you just man up and get the petrol bombs and worry about the social side of it later? Um, so, yeah, it was kind of a bit mm, unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think you, yeah, I think it was an interesting point to make uh, parallels between the British Empire and then this interplanetary empire but yeah a little bit heavy-handed yeah and that's what I meant I mean when I said it injected modern sensibilities into a period piece that was one of the modern sensibilities that and having a, a mainly female protagonist uh, I think that I think that worked quite well actually I mean you didn't need yeah, it to be that was good, perspective. Yeah. Um, you know uh, I, yeah that, those two bits I mean Ogilvy uh, sorry one last thing on Ogilvy before we move on you know when he comes back from the dead uh, in years to come and turns up and she's expecting it to be George for some reason after watching him being eaten alive but still because <laughs> yeah. um, she forgot but anyway when he turns up he's like <laughs> when he turns up he's like uh, and she's like how happened to your face it's like oh yeah I was experimenting with their weapons and then she's like how did you survive well I fell down a sewer and I hid and I'm thinking there's something up, there's something up here maybe Ogilvy was working for the aliens because he wasn't <laughs> seen since the initial thing I think that would have been a nice thing to you know an interesting uh, subplot if they did end up with a second series or something you know Ogilvy's actually a villain or he's a sort of uh, whatever because you know that that was a, just a bit weird it's like he vanished and suddenly he turns up again and he's got a sight phantom thing going on 
um, but he just is able to miraculously come up with a cure of everything. It was just, you know, yeah. that was that was absolutely that particular bit is absolutely what made me change mind that we didn't actually have any character development. It was bizarre. Maybe they are leaving their options open to a sequel. I mean, do we really need a sequel to War of the Worlds now, a hundred years later? I don't think we do, but leaving their options open. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose that moves on to the the flash forwards, which was our next bit, yeah, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah, flash forwards. So yeah, I think these weren't in the books at all, were they? But essentially, starting in the first episode, you see a couple of people wandering across the what looks like Mars, but it soon reveals that this is actually our terraformed world where no plants are growing anymore, except where there's typhoid dead bodies, uh, <laughs> which sounds like a great place to grow foodstuffs. But there you go. Um, so yeah, and it's soon revealed that the two figures are Amy and uh, George Junior. Uh, I think that is actually his name, isn't it, George yeah. Junior? And <laughs> and um, yeah, and they, they discover with Ogilvy how to destroy how to destroy the terraforming. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I quite liked it as an addition, you know, showing uh, a post-apocalyptic London, uh, showing how people are struggling to survive. It's all just, all just a bit rubbish. No one's got any food, and it shows, you know, it's you slowly, you watch them slowly piece together how they defeated the aliens, and I don't think they really figure it out until she remembers what happened because she's obviously locked away what happens, and she suddenly remembers it when Ogilvy turns up which is convenient, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, like you said about the, it looks like Mars right at the beginning with the flash forwards. At one point I'm sitting there and I'm seeing these people wandering around and you see the spires sticking up and it looks like Mars. And I'm like, oh my God, are they going for a John Carter thing? Is it going to be like a, a sort of a mashup where you like on Earth, you've got a battle and on Mars, you've got a battle and stuff like that. That would be quite interesting. And then it's like, oh no, there's Amy. Oh, this is the future. Okay. And I was kind of like, at first I was like, oh, this is naff, get on with it. Then I started realising, well, actually, this is quite interesting because, you you know, at the end of War of the Worlds, the book, it's like, yes, we won. <laughs> Let's go back to killing everyone and taking over the world. You know, whereas this is kind of like, well, actually, you won. But did you really win? Because, you know, the Martians are still terraforming your planet and they're probably going to be back. Uh, and all you're doing is scratching around in the dirt, uh, like the people that you've been conquering for God knows how long. Um, so, yeah, I think before she turned up, I thought it was a bit naff. Uh, you know, I was well before it turned out not to be John Carter, and before she turned up, it was a bit naff. But when she turned up, and it started linking to what was happening, like you said about the whole on the beach, and she's like, oh, I didn't see him anymore, and you know, the bit with the typhoid and remembering all that stuff, and you know, the, the way the two t- storylines tied to dev tied together, uh, it become much more interesting. Um, and also, it made me think a bit of global warming. I don't know why. I think maybe that was another one of these modern sensibility bits that are put in. <laughs> Yeah, trying to yeah maybe yeah that's a good point because yeah this wasn't the terraforming concept wasn't in the book at all like you say so maybe they are saying oh look at what this world could be like if we can't grow crops anymore if uh, if we're stuck under a cloud of ash exactly um, uh, if um, the Martians come and terraform uh, <laughs> yeah perhaps but yeah the whole yeah. time. It worked, it worked really well, and yeah, sorry, you were going to say about the typhoid. Well, I just, yeah, I mean, I, it, I, you know, I twigged it as soon as they said, oh, it's on consecrated ground. It's like, no, it's on the ground with dead people. You know, it's not complicated. I mean, it'd be oh, a bit well, tricky. I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, if it took, it, we were watching it on a phone. Um, but yeah, I think the, uh, when as soon as Ogilvy turned up, obviously he's the only scientist left in England for some reason, after <laughs> escaping from the aliens. Um, 
but yeah, he tweaks it and he manages to solve it all. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it was like a worthy addition, and I think this is, and, it, and this is why I call it an interpretation of the book rather than a um, adaption, because I think they've taken the book and then they've built on it with all this other stuff to make, kind of make it more interesting and relevant to our times. Um, so I think this is, you know, as much as it looks a bit low budget, you know, oh let's have some smoke in the background and whatever, and everyone looks a bit miserable and depressed, uh, it still worked really well, um, you know, and, and was quite an interesting addition. Yeah, um, and I enjoyed I enjoyed watching them slowly figure out. So it's, it was almost kind of like non-linear, classic non-linear narrative mysteries, like say Memento or something. <laughs> people all together, um, and yeah, it certainly didn't go. I, I thought George was still alive the way she was still looking for him, and so I was quite surprised when he did actually ultimately die. Um, yeah, big big twist there actually. Um, when we do see that he did actually copy it um, after that, after his little speech. Um, yeah, I think um, I think whether whether they're going to come back and terraform, I mean, whether whether the Martians understand what happens to them, presumably they'll be sending back signals or whatever, saying, oh, we're all dying, we've all got really bad coughs. Um, maybe they'll come back and say, okay, guys, could we not eat the local population? This <laughs> come on, guys. What did we tell you about eating them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't believe we have to say this again, guys. Can't believe it. But let's just not do that this time. Or if they're going to think, oh, actually, hold on, they figured out how to actually turn back our red plants. Uh, how, how, how many dollars did we? Then Martian Trump comes out saying, we're not going to spend any more dollars on this. Uh, it's it's too hard. Let's just leave them alone. Let's let's go to Venus instead. That's more our kind of thing. Um, we're going to build. A, we're going to build a beautiful wall. Yeah, build a wall around Earth. I think. Yeah. Maybe well, there'll be some. Maybe they're smart enough to do something like that. An Irish backstop. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's. Um, but maybe it could be that uh, you know, like back in the day, like maybe this was another colonialism thing. But one, basically, once people have you know been conquered, the con- you know, like once uh, like the red redcoats used to take over a, a fortress or something or a town, they used to basically rape and pillage and basically you know have their way because that was basically letting off some steam. Maybe the aliens eating everyone was basically their equivalent of that. It's kind of like they, you know, normally normal protocol be like don't eat your people you're oppressing, but you know they were like I saw it with one I'm gonna go off and have a snack because um, you know what else have we got to eat uh, I live on a dead planet um, yeah could be you never know um, yeah what were they eating back on Mars yeah that's the question isn't it unless they all live underground because that's where the, the bullets come from another thing that seems a bit stupid is you know we had this telescope and he was taking pictures of Mars with the bullet uh, the little things coming off the side. Yeah. But if it's coming to Earth, why is it coming off the side? Surely that's going somewhere else. It should be coming straight towards him, in which case you couldn't take a picture of it. Uh, sorry, maybe there's some sort of slingshot effect with the orbit or something. It's coming out the side and it, it slingshots around using Mars's gravity or something. I can hand wave that away. That's fine. I'm not... <laughs> True. It's, it's using Edwardian physics. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it, maybe it was heading for the moon or something, or heading, I don't know. Well, maybe they were going elsewhere as well. They were doing all heading off for one big party. They're going um, to Venus. Yeah, heading to Venus. And they ended up on Earth by some... By yeah. well, maybe, but maybe you could actually eat the people on Venus, but they didn't know where they were. So it's like colonialism all over again, because they think they're in the Indies, but in India they're not. <laughs> so, aha, well, we could eat these Venusans. Venusans. Uh, <laughs> Venusans. That's it. Yeah. All yeah. oh, right. there's actually the word for it. 
Um, uh, I think there is, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so differences from the books obviously yeah I, I, do you know what i was thinking i, I think i did read, read this book but when i was like 10 or something so i remember very little about it um I've, i had to refresh my memory by doing a little google and stuff i mean amy just isn't a character in the book um she's george's actual wife and he, i think he goes and saves her or something but that's about it um which you know is good to have more than one main character obviously um i don't think george actually has a name in the book either i think <laughs> he's Ogilvy's just the chat He's just a journalist or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah. And, I think Ogilvy does have a name, but he's about the only one. I didn't realise Ogilvy was in the book. I mean, like you, I only read it many many moons ago. I mean, for anyone that's interested, I think it's free on Kindle because, you know, it's over 100 years old. So check it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the book was all told from George's perspective, wasn't it? And I don't know if it was like him writing letters or writing comments or... Well, no, it was, or was it third... No, it was third person, wasn't it? It was like the journalist went here the journalists saw the big explosion the journalists bumped into some things um and you know he, he didn't really have any character development beyond being the journalist and all he did is sort of bumble through a bunch of key events in this invasion yeah. um he just happened to be there at the common because he was a journalist in the area and then he's i don't know what happened to his wife and then he joined the army for a bit and sort of helped with a militia uh, i don't know if he went to london uh, who knows but yeah it's just the journalist the journalist the journalist and after at the end it's just like oh in this world's smallest creatures yeah 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 um i mean that's the thing about books back in the day they were written with their time they're, they're, they're not always the most thrilling prose are they and you know if it was written effectively as a news report almost then so obviously it's going to lack a little bit of oomph i suppose but it's, it's a very exciting slash interesting story but maybe it could do with a rewrite for our modern style of literature yeah, I think I think it was just it was it was their version of high concept, wasn't it? And they're used to reading yeah. stories like that. And then when they read a story like that, that's about this sort of topic. It's like, wow, that's mind blowing. Um, and because you speak about um, news report, like this was what was uh, in the 40s, wasn't it? They had like a radio serial of War of the Worlds in America, and it made it made loads of people think it was actually happening, and they all freaked out. Did you know about that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Famous yeah, mass hysteria. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, we're not quite there with this one because <laughs> they're all with horse and carriages and whatever. But it's, it's, it's interesting to see that the premise uh, still resonates even like 100. Well, that was like 50 years later, but like 100 years later or whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, there was no flash forwards in the book, like you mentioned, uh, but it was interesting to see what the future development would be with the terraforming, etc. Um, they didn't, like you say, Amy wasn't particularly developed, but I think by making the whole thing from her perspective, it made it more interesting because it wasn't just, you know, gung-ho men in a men's world or even a bit of a sappy man in a men's world. It was a woman in a man's world and having to deal with it and having to see what the perspective was. And I think, you know, uh, having her with a child in the flash-forward sequences kind of made it more interesting as well. Although, to be fair, you know, you said about no character development. What did that child do apart from be ill? And yeah, yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I would... It was just it was just there to show what an awful place it is. And didn't at some points that I'm sure other people said, oh, you're just lucky to have a kid. Like no one else was actually having kids. So is yeah. the human race going to die out anyway? <laughs> well, and, and, yeah, I suppose unless their cure works. But their cure involves getting like uh, uh, necrotic cells and uh, typhoid and spraying it all over the, the place. I mean, how the hell are they going to manage that? Um, but I suppose, you know, one 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 field at a time, um, yeah. you know, they should start. I don't know. They, there's not much they can do really. They can't prepare boats to go anywhere because they can't have the crops to put on the boats. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, 
got that kind of final monologue by Amy at the very end of the show, didn't you, saying about how great the world used to be, um, which presumably is saying. But then again, it all ended with them showing that tiny little bit of greenery spouting up, sprouting up from the grave. So I think they're, I think the TV show wants us to think, yeah, humanity will carry on, survive, whatever. Yeah, and it could be like a sort of, you know, a different kind of humanity. Um, yeah, and, and you hope Ogilvy's not the only smart guy left on the planet. Presumably someone else has figured it out. Yeah, maybe in like, yeah, all over the world, there's probably one scientist per country that's figured it out or something. Yeah. Uh, if they all start working on small bits of land, then eventually it will kind of get rid of the, the smog and whatever it is. Because the black, the black cloud that the uh, aliens let off that started the terraforming and killed loads of people, that wasn't in the book, I don't think. Not that I remember. No, no. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it turned people a bit mad, didn't it? Yeah, and uh, there was a bit when the, um, uh, Amy and Frederick were running down the sort of the passages underneath London with that minister, and the minister starts sort of, I don't know, erupting in smoke and whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen here? Is he going to transform? Is he going to turn into a monster? Yeah. And then it's like, no, he just died. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's good in a way because we didn't know, need no body horror stuff. Yeah. Um, zombies or anything mind control or anything like that although it might have been more interesting than what they did do than cannibal aliens but <laughs> oh well so i mean yeah overall then what, what what did you feel about this i mean was it worth because this was my suggestion i mean i apologize this is my first suggestion <laughs> and it doesn't seem like you particularly enjoyed it no i did enjoy it it was it was you know it was decent length good um it was like just like a it was about three hours total wasn't it just under three hours um yeah i'm really glad i watched it thanks for suggesting it i wouldn't have watched it otherwise to be honest um i don't watch a lot of bbc stuff anymore um maybe i should watch more um but yeah i i thoroughly enjoyed it actually and i've, I've ragged on a lot of it but i think overall it was very enjoyable and it's worth a watch if yeah, I'll we'll just spoil it for everyone, as always. But yeah, I think it's it's a good it's a good addition to BBC's drama pantheon. It'll be on be on Britbox in a couple of <laughs> months or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Britbox. I'm still. I mean, this isn't sponsored by Britbox because I'm not sure why people would pay for that. But um, <laughs> you know, I mean, well, it's each to their own. Uh, I'm saving my money for Disney Plus. Uh, I mean, this this was back in, not so long ago that this would have been classic Netflix fodder. All of the BBC stuff ended up on Netflix, didn't it? But it looks like that's not going to be the case anymore, presumably. Yeah, so it's on iPlayer for a bit, and then once it's sort of graduated from iPlayer, it's going to go to this Blink, blink Box. Blink? What? Is it? I don't even know what it's called. Britbox. Britbox, that's it. Um, Britbox thing. So you can pay for the best of British drama, but to be fair, you can just get out of the library, um, <laughs> which is what I do with my or just, or just watch it when it's on. Uh, or just tape it on your sky. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I used to tape it on my Digibox and never watch any of it because, you know, it was BBC and I had our own stuff to watch, which is, you know, uh, all this cranial British drama that I'd, I've been letting slide. But, you know, when I retire and it's on, that's when I'll watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, cool. So, so I think we can't uh, rag on the BBC for much longer. Um, yeah, so... it's definitely time to uh, prorogue this bad boy. Um, well, I'm sure there won't be a BBC much longer if uh, Dominic Cummings says his way. But, well, <laughs> you know. Last hurrah, last hurrah for the BBC. Right, um, there's no need to prorogue anymore, is there? Because, you know... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're, still, we're still going to prorogue. You know? I, I like that as a sign-off. It's, uh, it's fun. <laughs> is it? Is it now, in this climate? <laughs> cool, all right. Well, um, thanks, Stu, for joining me. Not sure what we'll do. Oh, well, it's Star Wars, isn't it? I think we've, we're going to have some sort of immediate Star Wars reaction. How could um, you forget Star Wars, the biggest yeah. film event of the last God knows how many years? Um, yeah. yeah. I'm too, too Christmas, Christmas up now. Star Wars means Christmas now, doesn't it? So.
Oh yeah, your Christmas party means Star Wars, doesn't it? Um, cool. Okay. Um, on that bombshell. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, obviously, enjoy uh, the rest of your run up to Christmas. Enjoy Star Wars, and we'll see you next time on the next episode of Geek Bites. May the force be with you.